Stephen? Yeah. Aren't we at the drive The reason the music isn't playing. Our national anthem. Okay. thing. Every time there was a war, uh, the drive-in would whip out the national anthem. Right, Carl? That's true. Yeah. Unless it was the Vietnam War, and then they didn't play it, but that's that's a long time ago. Yeah. Well, back then, the kids took it, and the kids were all like, Freak the Vietnam War, man! <laughs> yep. Absolutely. And that's really where we're going to be at tonight with uh, 1970. But, of course, first we have trailers. Driving Grindhouse movies from the trailers from the 1960s, 70s, and 80s, Volume 2. And are you set up, Carl, at 59 minutes? Now, I, I'm at 59.25 right before uh, uh, what's – well, it's right after Stoker Ace. Let's put it that way. Yeah. Uh, pa, uh, get it to the black there, pause it, and then get ready. when We push play when we say go. Okay, here we go in five, four, three, two, one, go. Here we go. This is a 70s cult classic. Not as in it was a cult classic of the 70s, but this is one hell of a view of what 70s were. I mean, all the stunts in these movies are real. This was uh, supposed to be Grant Page's coming out party. And you get to see him do successful stunts, and you do get to see him get fucked up, do you? Don't you, Carl? Yeah, th- th- you introduced me to this uh, a couple years ago, and this is just slightly odd. Let's just leave it at that. Yeah. Oh, uh, that's back when stuntmen were gods, and there, and it uses stunt from Gone in sixty seconds. Yep. There's where Eleanor gets destroyed. I mean, the stuntmen of the 70s were like romantic gods. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely they were. And 
and yes, it has some uh, uh, of the hang gliding. He's the same one who did all the hang gliding shots in uh, The Man from Hong Kong. And didn't they do the, 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 the hang gliding in Skyriders too, I think? Yeah. Right there when he got hit by a car, Carl, he broke every bone in his fucking body and had to get healed from that. Good Lord. And just imagine this. They're at the set, and that stunt was going on, and Money Van Buren wanted to do it. And Paul Verhoeven, who was married there at the time, walked onto the fucking set and seen his wife do that stunt. Imagine yeah. a, a a psychotic, angry Paul Verhoeven. <laughs> <laughs> and yeah. the band right here is Sorcery. They were unique because they, co- they combined rock with magic. Yep. Odd little film to say the least. Yeah. And next is Oh, yeah. What are me and Carl's personal favorites? The Bingo Long Traveling Oh, we love this movie. We actually did a commentary on this, you and I. Yeah, you can go back in the archives and look at it. And this movie is enshrined in the Baseball Hall of Fame. As in Billy D. Williams and James Earl Jones' outfit are in the Hall of Fame. And is it sadder, yeah. Carl, that it took shorter for this movie to get in the Hall of Fame than it did the people that it's fucking portraying? Exactly. One of Pryor's better roles, actually. Yeah. Well, anything that he did for Motown movies was freaking good. The Wiz, Bingo Long, Traveling All-Stars, Mahogany. No, not Mahogany. uh, Lady Sings the Blues. Lady Sings the Blues. Oh, and that guy in the background was the one and only in his first movie appearance, Ken Foray. And the reason they're doing the dancing is they learned something from uh, that the Harlem Globetrotters learned. Mm-hmm. Which is, if you're going to beat the hell out of the white boys... You better do it funny. Yeah, you better do it funny. And plus, they wanted to put on a show for them, you know. Oh, absolutely. And, yes, during the off-season, they would get the Negro League guys to come up and play in Yankee Stadium and the big stadiums. And the white stars would dress up and play under fake names so they could play the black because they wanted to play with the best. Okay. And next up is 
Oh, damn, Carl, I told you not to push that button. <laughs> I still don't know what the fuck it is. Operation, uh... Oh, Latitude Zero. Oh, okay. There's nothing Did wrong with Latitude Zero. Did you wonder why, uh, Joseph Cotton wears that lady scarf throughout the movie? Nope. Well, the reason that he does it is the female actress was so nervous on her first day on the set that Joseph Cotton grabbed the scar and put it around his neck to calm her down. Oh, cool. Yeah. God, I haven't seen this in years. I know. I don't know. This is one of those that are lost because the studio didn't think none of us would buy it. Shit. Never underestimate the nostalgia of a kid. You know, the other thing, too, this is a a Japanese finance film, too. Yeah. So that could be part of it, too. You know, this and Message from Space, I loved these when I was a kid. Yeah. Freaking loved these movies. But I haven't seen this since like Pistol early seventies. Explosion. Yeah. I always like the silver space suits. Suits. Yeah. And they're not supposed to be in space. Remember, they're under the sea at latitude I know, zero. Yes, but they're still silver space suits. Give me a fuck. Yeah. And those suits were reused again in uh, the Bat People. And, and several others, trust me. Those suits were used a lot. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Linda Haynes, Richard Jekyll. Linda Haynes, I love Linda Haynes. She's yeah. in one of my favorite wars of the 70s, the Nickel Rod. Yeah, I he's know about this. Oh, here comes an. Oh, here. Oh, what movie is this? I don't. I've never heard of this one before. Oh, this is monsters. Uh, destroy all, all monsters. monsters is it? Yeah, destroy all monsters. I went to the theater to see this. Of course. I saw this as a kid. Well, why wouldn't you? It's got all of them. I know. I I went. I I begged my mother and my my dad, and they left me off at the theater to watch it. And this I was in. I was. I loved it. The first of two movies that Baragon is in. Mhm. And I think my favorite uh, 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 comes in for like ten seconds, and that's Baran. Yeah. I think he's in. But you know what's funny? When this movie came out, the theaters, Carl. Mhm. They hadn't released Brand the Invincible yet. Well, I saw Brand the Invincible uh, through uh, Killer's Theater and loved him. Yeah. Flying Squirrel destroys Tokyo. I, I was in. 
That looks like Reptilicus. Oh, yeah, that looks like Reptilicus, only not as fucking stupid. <laughs> oh, come on. We love Reptilicus. Yeah. I think this is the movie that Joe R. Lansdale was watching when he was, when he got the idea to write Godzilla's 12-step program. <laughs> we love that story. And God, we love Joe Lansdale. Yeah. Destroy all monsters. Uh-oh, Carl. Oh, Okay, one of my favorites, directed by Joe Dante and Alan Arcus. <laughs> and my my woman's in it. And Mary the car Warner. from uh, Escape to Two Thousand. Hey, bud, well, that's on that fucking, fucking, second, fucking, second. <laughs> if I do it now, more of that. Part <laughs> oh, by the way, just so everyone knows, this is on PC. Just if you didn't realize. We're going to be watching this in the future, so don't worry, people. Oh. oh. Okay. Oh, nah, yeah. Love, love, love this movie. Oh, Gary. And Gary Graham is beautiful. I... So is Paul, Paul Williams. Wh- it breaks my heart how many years that Paul Williams thought that this movie was bad. Oh, this movie is beautiful. And Gary Graham steals the whole film. And that's hard to do in this film. Well, I would think the Juicy Fruits do because of how many different, the guys who played the Juicy Fruits, because they play like three different bands in this. Four different bands. Four different bands. Yeah. Oh, and I love that, the fact that he kept the, what we talked about, there's another commentary to go look up, is that the bomb is in sync with the music. Yep. Can you imagine how fucking well you don't have to imagine how fucking hard that is. Oh uh, yeah. And how can you not love fall in love with Jessica Harper's? Well, they just showing <laughs> it right there. Beef. <laughs> Strato man. <laughs> Somehow. And it has an amazing soundtrack. Why they didn't sell that in this trailer, I do not fucking know. <laughs> Unless she was in Canada. In Canada, they adopted this as soon as it came out. Winnipeg. Winnipeg. For 30 years, they were, I think yeah. they're still doing it. Yeah, this, this was the Canadian Rocky Horror Picture Show. It should have been the American Rocky Horror Picture Show, but that's my opinion. Yeah. Oh, I ain't fighting. Oh, God, no. 
What the hell is this? Hot dog, the movie. This was a VHS and 80s HBO classic. Just because it showed Shannon Tweed's tweeters. <laughs> this was his follow-up to American Werewolf in London. Oh, God. That's a mistake. He played like uh, the Tim Matheson role in Animal House in this. You know what I mean? Yeah, I know exactly what you mean. Yeah, yeah. I never saw it, never will. Don't Just worry, saying. you ain't missing much. 80s teen comedies. I mean, I well, I grew up on it, so I could love it. But if Carl doesn't like it, this one would be, I'm like, okay, I understand. Yeah, this, this, you know, I mean, there were good 80s comedies. Yeah. You know, uh, you know, One Crazy Summer. There were yeah. some really good, but there were some really fucking bad ones. I mean, really, most of, every generation has a genre that when we go, why the fuck did you watch it? All the only answer you can give is you had to be there, man. You had to be there. Absolutely. Like uh, for Carl's generation, it was the campus movie. Yes. Kiss your buns goodbye. I guess we're going to have a naked hamburger. Oh, hamburger movie came out later. And I know. Was it was a, a joke. It was a joke. <laughs> I know. Everything was the movie in the 80s. Barton, your pants, the movie. Hot dog, the movie. Hamburger, the movie. Oh, and this is one of Carl's favorite movies of the 80s. He loves this lead singer of it. What the fuck is this? What have you done to me? Oh, God. What's sad is everyone else is having fun and put, as you can see, they got the right amount of silly, except for one actress in this movie. And who is that? There she is, Pia Zadora. Oh, Pia Zadora's okay. Give her a break. I will just because of one thing which they'll show a little bit later in this trailer. Yes, Bill and Ted okay. ripped, it, ripped this off because these were the first ones to have, like, uh, the thing with uh, the telephone booth as a uh, oh, okay. spaceship slash time machine. Well, they're not the first. The first would be a little British series. Right. Right. Yeah. Yeah. This, this this one's not doing it for me, Stephen. Oh, don't worry. This one's not doing it. Yes, <laughs> you think it can't get any worse. Here's the good thing about this movie. Oh my God! Is that who I think it is? Yeah, and Michael Berryman. He's nice. great. Okay. 
But this movie has Jermaine Jackson in it. Yeah, didn't you take shop class in school? No. I was uh, in Je- I was in Dewey Hall. I was learning pickpocketing in 101. <laughs> He's Is that Gordon? Yeah, Ruth Gordon and Jermaine Jackson. Jackson. I saw Jermaine Jackson. Okay, yeah, Michael he- Berryman is okay. <laughs> Maybe I would watch it because of Michael Berryman. Yeah, he's the best and thing the- of the movie. Like I said, everyone else gets the tone but her. I don't know why she doesn't. Because she's done so much. Oh, God. Sam Fuller directed. Burt Reynolds starred in it. And after an accident on the set, Burt Reynolds and Sam Fuller told both, told the producers to go fuck themselves. That's all. That's all. Well, that's where you bring up the Forrest Gump ride line, ain't it, Carl? Yeah. And that's all I got to say about that. Well, let's put it this way. The name of the movie is Shark, and there was an accident. Yeah. Uh, that's actually survived into the film. Let's yeah, just leave it at the that. the kind of shit that you would cut out of the motherfucking movie. Yeah. This is bad. Well, it's just a little bit worse than that one with Lee Majors where they actually kill sharks on the screen. Right. Only difference is, is that uh, Sam Fuller could pull the jo- Alan Smithy card, but Burt Reynolds couldn't. They can't. They right. didn't have anything to protect the actors. Oh, speaking of bizarre, a Rock Hudson movie set in World War II where the soldiers that help him carry off the mission are fucking dying to 12-year-old boys. What the hell is this? See, even he looks embarrassed to be in the movie. This hornet's nest. I don't think I've ever even heard of this. I have, just because of how fucking bizarre the idea is. You know, Rocka, a, a soldier commander leading a bunch of little kids on a mission to death. Original title of before they changed it was Baby Brigade. God. What the hell were they thinking? I don't know. I really do not know. I mean, look how embarrassed Rock Hudson is to appear in this movie. Yeah, seriously.
And how disturbing is it to watch 8- to 12-year-old boys killing fucking people with machine guns? Yeah, seriously. This one may be the what the fuck movie of this collection. <laughs> of today's show, too. Italian film, I take it? Yeah. No, Bill Carlson. Holy shit. Weird. That's Very. really weird. It's like, what were you thinking? Oh, I saw this in the theater. Yeah. With my family. I love this movie. It's so bizarre. What kind of stupid Mexican would try to take over the Alamo on fucking horses? Uh It's a comedy. It's not, you know, it's silly. It's supposed to be silly. There's a thin line between silly and fucking stupid. <laughs> I, come on, Jonathan Winters. Yeah, yeah, come on. This 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 is wonderful. When I first seen it, I was expecting like an ending out of the Wild Bunch or uh uh Doctor Strange Love. Instead I got a we got this cutie cute ending where no one gets killed. And Alice Ghostly. I mean, what else do you need? Seriously. A coherent plot. <laughs> <laughs> hey, if you're eight years old and you're seeing this at the theater, you don't give a shit about plot. Hey, when I was you eight years old, Jonathan I was watching, when I was eight years old, I was watching bed knobs and broomsticks and loving it. See, do I have to say anything more? Yeah. Besides, this movie sale sells a darker movie than the movie really is. No, princess. No, no, no. Lay down. Lay down. Not what you're so appalled. As much pain in the butt it is to get you up again. Don't look at me that way. Keenan Wynn. I mean, come on. This is great. Yeah, that's why... You know, everyone else was expecting a Doctor Strange Love type thing because it had the fun, one of the funniest guys from Strange Love. You'll have to answer to Coca Cola for that. Yeah. General batshit. Wasn't this sort of a remake of uh, The Mouse That Roared, the Peter Sellers film? Not really, no. I mean, it has some DNA uh, shared with it, but no. Aston, Keaton Wynn, Harry Morgan. Kenneth Mars. Alice Ghosting, killing it's Mars. Because Mars needs women. Boo. 
Boo that man. Boo that yes, man. Yes, that was that bad. bad joke. Yeah, this is coming from Carl, the king of bad puns. When he looks dead on you, you know you done fucked up. <laughs> Oh, you do. Oh, my Good. God, it's orange. Now we're going to show you how Oh, here's a cute, here's one of those that you keep talking about, Carl. You ought to know it. Don't you, Carl? This is a good movie, actually. This is a good film. Yeah. During, uh... James Coburn's golden period. The world's greatest Michael Sarazan. Wasn't this the first movie to really deal with that, the suit with five bells? I mean, that's one thing that you won't expect after watching this trailer is how serious it is about the art of pickpocketing. Oh, yeah. In many ways, this is this is the um, to live and die in L.A. of pickpocketing, whereas to live and die in L.A. is counterfeiting. Except we're following the. Yeah, was this? I forget. Was this a decent little hit? I think so. I don't think it made a lot of money, but it made its money back. Yeah, because people, how serious it is. Oh. Okay. Okay. This is the. Bruce Davison. Yeah. He's had a gr- he's had a great career, but not not the career you expect. That's why he's great because he did the stuff. like this one. I grew up with this on the late night, uh, the Unknown Zone. They played this once a year. It and Ben, and there were men, and I was. And I was pissed off when I seen Ben because that means I missed Willard. Yep. <laughs> well, of course, there's poor guy is just a real asshole in this movie. Yeah, this was based on a book called The Rat Catcher's Diaries. And they cut out some of the more insane parts of the book, like... Uh, a uh, Willard dressing up like a rat and running down the street naked. Well, I'm glad they cut that off. Yeah. <clears throat> but really, what the movie don't come across, and that's because they wanted to make a PG, but Bruce Davidson fought for, is that Willard was a stone-cold psychotic. Yeah. Instead, you just got looks like that, you know. Terrible. Yeah. I remember seeing this in the theater and just loving it. And, of course, the first time I really saw Sandra Locke. 
And I love that one line, you made me hate myself. Well, I like yeah. myself now. Uh-oh, you fuck. Good film. Good film. Okay, this next one is the last trailer of the night. All right. Yeah, last trailer of the night, people. If all you people that believe in the bullshit that Woodstock was done for 200% for peace, love, and happiness, bullshit. <laughs> this was marketed like a motherfucker within uh, a month of the fucking concert happening. You had the album. You had the second volume of the album. You had the movie. Yep, you did. Uh, oh, God, yeah, my, the my, fish my, bag. My brother was actually at at uh, Woodstock. Everybody's brother of your generation was at fucking Woodstock. Yeah, older brother, older brother. Let's keep that in mind. Well, everyone's older brother was at fucking Woodstock, and that's a sad joke. Oh, yeah. You know what's funny? Sly and the Family Stone is not in the theatrical cut. I know, which is a shame. A real shame. There's so much left out. Oh, God, yeah. Let's not forget how many directors worked on this, including Francis Ford Coppola, right? And Martin Scorsese. And do you remember how how they picked who directed it? Out of a hat. And, of course, that was Michael Wadley. Yeah. Who actually only directed one other film, which I love, and of course that's Wolfen. Yeah. But don't believe in the love, peace, and thing hype. This was a cash tie grab in. But you know what? Even if it was, the music was great. Oh, God. Except yeah. for Joe Baez, but that's me. I love it. That's. Fucking perfect synchronization, except for John Bias. And then the second you said that, <laughs> John Bias comes up. And the one who really stole this concert without even singing a song was Jimi Hendrix and his version of uh, the Star Spangled Banner. Well, I'll tell you who else stole this. It's Alvin Lee and 10 years after. Okay. Time for everyone to go to the snack bar while we fix, while the guy fixes the movie. And for us in the modern day, uh, go to Arrow Streaming and look up the Gore Gore Girls. Okay, I, I have to say this before we start. If I look at all the Herschel Gordon Lewis movies, this is my favorite. I love this movie. Now, and there are many of his movies I love, but there are reasons for this. 
And we'll get into that when we get into the film. I'm really looking forward to this, Stephen. Thanks a lot for this. Yeah. Well, how many times have we name-dropped it in the past three episodes? Oh, Jesus. Enough. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Okay, I'm ready. Uh, I'm ready, too. I'm ready at zero, zero, zero. Okay, in uh, five, four, three, two, one, go. Okay, here we go. This was uh, Herschel Gordon Lewis's last film, and the film that he did, only film that he did worked with with his son, with the murder already. This movie didn't fuck around. No. And this has now, the, the most thing. extreme gore effects any of his movies. Oh, absolutely. But even so, it it, it is very, very uh, prevalent that they are fake effects. You know. Well, no, we didn't have the AFP. He he quit just before effects really started to kick much ass, which was 1980. Right. You know. But this is really okay. good stuff. This is 1970. And this is when you see the shift. Well, still. You see Blood Orgy, the alternate northern title for the Gore Gore Girls. Because up north, they wouldn't know what the hell a go-go girl is. Because that's predominantly down south. See, you and I disagree about this. Because we knew know, what the go-go but, girls were. But that was more yeah. 60s up in the north. Right. Oh, look who's not in the movie. No, Henry Young, we'll get in that story later. But this is really when the old guard of exploitation uh, left and the new guard took over. The short version is uh, Roger Corman left AIP and started New World. Long version? Well, we got a whole movie to tell, talk about that. Yeah. Ray Sagar! Oh, yeah. The Wizard of Gore himself. And this, of all of his gore films, this was the, well, the second least uh, successful one. The least successful one was his contractual obligation gore film. And you know what one that it was, Carl? Color Me Blood Red. Blood Red, yeah. But this Who one, this one, this one I, I love because of the two main characters. And yeah. the, the one which we'll introduce here in a moment, Frank Crest. Never did another film. This is the only damn film he ever did, and he should have done a, a shitload more. And what's sad is that the humor in this film is so great, but H.G. Lewis was right and wrong when he thought that the movies are getting too much into self-parody territory. And that's why he quit. Yeah. He didn't. He didn't direct until thirty years later, like two in the two thousands. Well, I couldn't see H.G. Lewis doing something like "I Drink Your Blood" or "Last House on the Left." 
Hey, no. hey, well, the exotic stream. Po- oh, did you see what the exotic stripper who got killed was? No. Susie Cream Puff. Oh, my. Susie Cream Cheese? Susie Cream <laughs> Cheese? <laughs> okay, here we go. He puts the cat in the... <laughs> yeah. Why? How 70s is that outfit? Even oh, Chris didn't go that playfully. Ha 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 Why don't you try again tomorrow? Phoning. But I'm here now. <laughs> okay, I cannot say enough for our lead actor, Fred Kress. You're going to love this man. Seriously. And, these, and she is too. They just, they are just they like perfect. Perfect. You know, and that's important. You know, even in smaller films, you know, the, 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 the sense that you've got two people working off each other, and they really do. And she's good. Yeah, she's they're good both too. good. I love his cane, too. He really plays with that cane. And, of course, it comes into uh, play here on numerous occasions. Yeah. He's supposed to be like a modern-day Sherlock Holmes. Right. And that's the way the series was going to go. And I would have liked that. He was going to set up a series with him, you know. Oh, I would have loved it. You know, I mean, I mean, this is a Herschel Gordon-Lewis movie, so you've got lots and lots of gore, okay, yeah. and lots and lots of movies. You've got all of that, but in addition, you've got these two really playing off each other. You've got the humor. You've got some some good-looking women in this film, too. You do. The you've first, got good-looking women. The first time I seen this, Carl, I thought this was the guy – from uh, Greaser's Palace, Alan Arbus. No, no, it's yeah, not. But, he, but no, it is. An I Alan know Arbus it looks like Alan Arbus's twin brother. Oh, absolutely. A little more gaunt in the face, but yes, yeah. no question about it. There's really good stuff here. Yeah. Never. <laughs> oh God, that couch. <laughs> that couch and that oh, shirt. Yeah, call Donnie Seriously. so she can call Donnie so she can shit all over this couch. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that was what she was always best at. Looking, she's seen anything tacky. You see, that was the difference between a go-go girl and a stripper. Uh, go-go girls had the tassels and all that. Because down south, full frontal nudity weren't allowed. No, exactly. So they had the tassels. Yeah, they showed everything they could without showing shit. You know, the thing here that that I find interesting is Herschel Gordon-Lewis, you know, always worked with with, uh, good-looking women, but really didn't do nudity. I mean, Black in this case, well, well, not not in the same terms of Russ Myers, okay? 
Okay. Give me a break. <laughs> <laughs> okay, that's his point. Give me a break. I'm talking that's about the one. That's ugly ass wig, know. ain't it, Carl? <laughs> yeah, you gave me those three movies. Good God. No, I'm talking about that waitress. That is an ugly ass wig. Yes, it is. Yes, it is. That's you. That's you, Carl, going to the strip bar and order, try to order Cordon Bleu. <laughs> now, I, I was always into dark beer. So so if I'm in the strip club, it, it was dark beer. All I you have to do is talk to Don't you know what Cordon Bleu is? What? Ham and cheese. Uh, well, yeah, I know that. <laughs> That was a joke. Ham and cheese. Yeah, we only serve alcohol in here, buddy. The, 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 the pink leotard waitress. Good God. That's kind of scary. Uh, look, she changed wigs already. I mean, yeah, I her know. hair... Oh. Okay, if you haven't watched this movie beforehand, we're going to spoil it. Because he's already spoiled it if you got a fucking eye in your head. Because they've already shown... Uh, uh, there's Susie Cream Cheese again. I mean, Cream Puff. Yep. And uh, she's already changed wigs twice. Yep. Well, you know, you can only you can only hire so many people and so many women to get nude in the movie. So, you know, you just change wigs, you know, and and if it's full frontal, you just you know color up the the pubes a little bit and you're fine. That's Seriously. the first time that this is my my fifth or sixth time watching this, and that's the first time I noticed that he just gave away who the killer is within their first scene on the fucking movie. Yeah. You didn't catch that? No. He caught that the second time I watched this movie. Because I look for that stuff, right? I do. I do too, but like, I, you know. You know, one of the things I've got to say about this movie, as opposed to some of the other H.C. Lewis films, is that the script is really witty. And well done. I think this, this is his best script. Yeah, he got better. No, he got better with the humor as he went along. Mm-hmm. I mean, really, if you, there is a sincere difference between Blood Feast and, you know, the humor kept changing no matter where you go. Right. It kept getting better. Like, he even you know, did I mean, two full-on satires, which are the Blast-Off Girls and, uh... You're the Yahoo. Yeah, you're the Yahoo. Now, now the thing I do <laughs> like about... No, that's great. But, but I, you know, if you take a look at Private Eyes in movies... Uh-huh. Okay, most of them are real tough and get beaten and shit and that. This guy, I could be. 
And he is a prick. He's a definite prick. I said, oh, because of the comical horse sounds that Clint on our... Yeah. I'll turn it up just a little bit. Little a uh, white be uh what the fuck? Oh, <laughs> that went. Never mind. You're gonna laugh. I've seen the windows reflection of the VW bug and look. What the fuck are they got a Corvette with a fucking VW? Now you gotta admit you would love that car. Oh God, yeah. Can you imagine how much that'd be worth nowadays? Oh, good God. 100000 Yeah. Well, that BW band, it costs, gets you a shitload, too. Yeah. You know, this guy is more in the, in, in the uh, uh, tune of, like, Nick and Nora Charles. Yeah, the Thin Man, the Continental. Right, right. The 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 the, the higher the class. Swab, yeah, the swab. Yeah, exactly. Swab. There you go. That's the word I would think. Um whereas your Marlowe's, your spades were were much more uh down and how and dirty. much of a joke and a cliche is that from the private eye? What do you want to know? And then again the ten dollars. They couldn't use it again after the naked gun because that was hilarious. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Hungry Man's Restaurant. Yep. <laughs> Reminds me of crappy frozen dinners. Oh, we used to eat those all the time. Swanson Hungry Man's. Yeah. They made good fried chicken. Mm. Ah, it was okay. It never turned out crispy, though. It was always, oh, it was always too... Yeah, that's a problem. You got it with the frozen chicken. Oh, I love it. She loves it. That bubblegum is really turning her on, man. <laughs> Let me blow your bubble. <laughs> yeah, but really, at this time, you've seen the guys like Friedman, uh, Sarno, uh, uh, Russ Meyer. They left the drive-in for greener pastures. I love it. She's killed, and the bubble is still there. You know how they did that? That's a plastic bubble. That's like a, a pacifier, no, isn't it? That, that's a that's a prophylactic. Ah, is that? The... Yep. See, you just seen the costume right there when they took it out. Yep. But yeah, this is why he had to do because. There was this little film that come out of Pittsburgh in 68 
that really changed what horror, you know. And gore was. Gore was, yeah. And what's funny is the film from Pittsburgh wasn't that gory, but goddamn was it effective. Oh, hell yeah. Well, that final that final scene, the, the, the feast scene where they're all eating pig's intestines in reality. Yeah. Yeah, this, this goes on maybe uh, just a little too long. Well, yeah, that was his thing, you know, to do the most extreme gore effects he could. And then it's uh, all of these transitions to, oh, this isn't one of the ones that has like two gore scenes in one. No. I do love that. Corvette with the running tail, running. Uh, oh, are you kidding? That's, that's a beautiful car. Now I'm trying to figure out where this was f- filmed. Florida, duh. Okay. Are you sure it was Florida or was it New Orleans? Because it kind of looks like New Orleans. Yeah, I know. Okay. This was filmed in Florida. A lot of these old houses are gone from that. That Florida don't exist anymore. Don't you remember Graffet told us about that when uh, he uh, was on the show? Right. Oh, yeah. Okay, Carl. Okay. <laughs> what was on her leg, Carl? I was actually not looking at that because I was going into some of the uh, uh, background I had to see where it was filmed. You are right. This is Florida. Yeah, but what's written on her leg is if they show it again is okay. I don't know why. Right. <laughs> Seven up. I wonder if they got any money for product placement in this movie. I love how calm and sedate he is. Oh, absolutely. That's that's one of the great things about him. Yeah. She's dead. Let's see if they show it. Keep look, keep a look at their leg when they pan yep, over. Okay. Uh, yeah. Okay. Oh, boo, boo that man. That's a horrible pun. He seems to have lost face. I love the music. God bless the little children. No, no, that's the workman song, you know, dunch, dunch, dun, da, 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 da. That's, that's I say, God bless the little children. Yeah. (laughs) 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 If you remember, this is only, I think, the second film where he has cursing in it. Yes. The first was uh, Moonshine Mountain. And that was only one word, if I'm... 
he said, what the hell that is was like, this shit? I'm trying to sleep here. Yeah. <laughs> you know, another thing to keep in mind, too, as he gets, you know, as, as you move on to H.G. Lewis's films from Blood Freak On, Notice look, the look photography at the here and, and the camera work. Hold on. It looks like that. You know, I mean, seriously, his his photography, his cinematographer is really good. I mean, this is lit really well. Yeah. But did you see what the name of that apartment building was? No. Orleans Apartments. <laughs> but yeah, that's the Orleans apartment. It ain't Nolans, but they built it to look like Nolans. Like right. uh, going out to Lukenbach, Texas. You'll step out in the German village out of the 30s. Ooh, Green BW Bug. Stingray. Okay, not the best dancer I've ever seen. She's not exactly funky. You think these guys give a good god darn if she dances good or not? (laughs) Hey, look, Randy Quaid! Yeah, you can tell she hasn't done this much before because she can't get that because that dress is just fucking her up. Absolutely. And, And how many times have you been to a strip club with women in the audience? Depends on if it's ladies night or not. Don't forget, Gene and uh, Annette have said that sometimes the women would show up out there for the box lunch. True. It never happened to me, though. Just saying. Well, it's you, Carl. (laughs) You have a point. You have a point. But, yeah, this is, after this, H.D. Lewis was doing so good with his direct marketing uh, book and company that he just took all of his money out of there. Yeah, squash that squash. I love this guy, by the way. That's how you open up a melon, man. Oh, did you see that big melon was already cut? Yes. Let's see if it cuts it, breaks it to split. Uh. 
Of course, did yep. they explain that? No. Who cares? It's a honeydew. Ha ha ha! The interplay between these two is really good. <laughs> that looks like Paul W. Smith. Mm-hmm. A tomato. Beautiful. Okay, that wig isn't really good either. I'm just saying. (laughs) But yeah. This really was the end of the road for the 60s style of exploitation. That's when we got the 70s, which is the new world, uh, the waitress pictures. Uh, uh, the, the Crown International Films teacher trip with the teacher. Yeah. yeah. And I'm not saying drop-ins are dead. The 70s was the last boom period. Four. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. If I could work that fast, I'd get a job at every... I could get a job at any bar I wanted, man. Yep. But, yeah, we got uh, the Crown International, New World Pictures. Basically, uh, it was New World where I was. It was New World. I mean, we ran yeah, a the couple women of... Pre- yeah. The women in prison pictures. God, I love those. <laughs> Seriously, I'm a big uh, WIP fan. Yeah, the ginger fan, the ginger movies. Uh, Chesty Anderson. Je- oh God, no. Yes. Yes, no, we ran. Uh, we ran to both of those, man. Sorry, they vomiting. were big up in my area. And pun intended, by the way. How much <laughs> vomiting was incurred during the movie? None. None. Bullshit. Not that Those I titties. know of. I mean, I think Those I, titties I look like a dog chewed on them. Those titties look like a dog chewed <laughs> on them. In Bradford, you know, people were Oakland those 76ers. They were desperate. <laughs> I'm not saying they weren't. <laughs> but, yeah. See, this even has, like, Vietnam references and stuff like that. I mean, yeah, the 70s were really the last big boom period for the drive-in before the big studios took over. Right. Well, you know, you've always said to me that that, that I'm good at showing up for the funerals. Right? Because yeah. I worked in... in I worked in a drive-in in the 70s, which was the last great boom. Went to New York in the 80s, uh, and that was the last boom of, of 42nd Street and the Deuce. 
and so on and so forth, right? And the reason why the Chesty Morgan films was big at the drive-in is that drive-ins couldn't run porn. So they would dance as close as they could to it. Oh, absolutely. I mean, you would have that. And uh, don't forget Harry Reams was in it, and he was all over the news. Mm-hmm. Well, and, and, and don't forget, too, I mean, with, with Mike, I was Howard. It was, you know, he did some of the older uh, stuff, too. So, I mean... We did uh, we did Russ Meyer films and that sort of thing. He always focused on sexploitation, uh, and and of course the drive-in went uh, uh, went full hardcore, like in '78, '79, and and by that time I was out of it. But he always went went for for the real uh, hardcore as much as he could to get away with. You know, the Harry Allen Towers films and so on and so forth. Yeah. The drive-ins in the 70s would dance as close to the line as they could. But the drive-in had one thing that uh, the porno theaters couldn't really bring and the studios wouldn't deal with. Okay, which was? Hardcore fucking violence. They also and, had the best snap bar, too. <laughs> oh, God, yeah. They knew that they had to because that was their money. Oh, hell yeah. Oh, without a doubt. Yeah. No, no, no question about that. No, that was, yeah. Yeah. That's one thing about the drive-in. You always knew that your ass was going to be eating good. Yeah. And that really was a big difference between going oh, to Oh, here we go. A, I love this, the signs. Loot is crude. Oh, this, this one is, is good. It. Yeah, she's good. She knew what she was doing. It's just, you can tell she ain't dancing to that damn music they're playing. No. She's dancing to some walk down, but the down, down, chicken down, bow. See, look, it's all getting funky. Ah, <laughs> uh, 70s porn music. God, I love that. No, just some funk. You know, something funky. Yeah. Yeah, this one knows what she's doing. Yeah. And she ain't dancing to that music. That music is all wrong. Yeah, I know. To be a good dancer, you have to become the music. And if that makes any sense to you, that's because you are a dancer. Or you know music like uh, Mr. K-Far over here. Man, that just seems like a good job. Oh, here we go. Nude is crude. Nude is crude. Quit with tit. Ha, ha, ha. Yeah, quit with tit, Carl. 
No, no, I I still like it. No, I've always I've always been a leg man more than anything else. Yeah, yeah so she's good. The, that's why the fried nobody ate fried chicken at your drive-in. You don't, your ass be stealing all the drumsticks. <laughs> hey, fuck you! <laughs> Fucking stop! I love that they're asshole. doing this to Pizzay. You know, you 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 love oh, uh, uh, strip clubs with with yeah, with wait uh, a uh, wait a yeah. Wait a minute. Hey, fucker, stop honking your goddamn fucking horn. Get the fuck out of here if you don't like what's playing, asshole shit. <laughs> but yeah. I was going to say, you love, you love strip joints with, with Leonard Cohen music. This one with Bizet is, like, out there. This is from Carmen, uh, by the way. Yeah. You... Carmen, baby. (laughs) And if you wonder where that comes from, that comes from Radley Metzger, who not, who didn't quit. Usually they say, man, he downgraded when he went to porn. No, he got better. Well, you and I talked about it earlier. Yeah. I think he's just as good. I, I, I really do think that his softcore is as good as his hardcore. I think I think he didn't. He just always oh, exuded quality. Oh, I'm not saying that his hard one is better. I'm saying that he got better shots, better quality, you know, better actors, better. Oh, without staff. a doubt. Yeah. Without a doubt, there's no doubt about that. Is this an uncut version? Because there's some of those signs that are missing. I'm not sure. Women right on. Yeah. Women right on. Look, she's having fun. She's just smiling her ass off. Not exactly the most convincing riot I've ever seen on, on, on screen. I'm just saying. The most convincing screen either. Is this a goddamn gore gore slash strip nudie film or a fucking Tarzan movie? <laughs> She's completely drunk. I mean, you got to really... I do agree with him in a way that he realized that if he kept going, he would get too silly and mm-hmm. lose any and lose all of the gore's punch. But in many ways, I think I think this is pretty well balanced. Oh yeah, yeah it is. A- but I see where he was in danger of crossing that line. Oh yeah. Thing I thing I like about him is he's a gentleman all the way through it. Oh yeah, some fight. Sitcom stinger. 
But yeah, Radley moved on. Hell, uh, David Freeman become president of the Adult Filmmaking Pictures Association. Absolutely, he did. And well deserved. Damn right. Well deserved. And Russ Meyer made what most people consider his classic film once he went mainstream. And of course, that would be Beyond, Beyond the Valley, the Valley of, the of the Dogs. But if you looked at his it's film, my right, happening. It's my happening. Yeah, and it's cool. But yeah, I mean, in all seriousness, if you look at Russ Meyer's films that came right before Valley of Dolls, it was getting, he, that was his serious films like uh, Cherry, Harry and Raquel, Super Vixen. And what's the film that he did? I can never remember the title. That was uh, his antebellum film, his uh, plantation film. Oh, Black Snake. That was the last film he ever made. Yeah. The one with Darth Vader without a dick in it. Yes. And that movie wasn't good. No, no, no. I prefer Pontius Pilate without a dick, but that's okay. You probably have no idea what I'm talking about. you know, but Black Snake wasn't that good. He went out on an eh note. And if you don't count it, and if you don't, yeah, if you don't count Blood Feast 2 and the Uh Uh-Oh Show, uh, H.G. Lewis went out while still making good movies. Right. If you don't count Blood Feast and the Uh Uh-Oh Show, which in all honesty, I don't. (laughs) Well, that was that was you know that was thirty years later. Yeah. You know. She's a hell of a stripper, but she's not much of an actress. No, but that's okay. Uh, she's not a great actress, but she, I tell you what, she's built like a brick shit house. She Susie seriously Cream. is. Yeah. Why is it every time I hear Susie Cream Puff, I keep thinking of Zappa? Well, because Susie of Susie Cream Juice. Yeah. What's got into you, Susie Cream Puff? <laughs> yeah. Looks like a knife from a meat cleaver. Yes. But, yeah. It. The best directors are the ones that know when to get out of the game. Yep. Like uh, Radley's last film was a couple that he did for the Playboy Channel, uh, The Princess and the Call Girl. And I always forget the other one. I like that film a lot. Oh, I'm not saying it's bad. It's good. But he tried to go mainstream, too, with uh, The Cat and the Canary, Cat. which has got an undeserved bad reputation. I agree. I totally agree with that. I think it's a damn good film. 
but The Seven Minutes and Black Snake were not good movies. Again, I have a thing about Black Snake because it's so different from anything else he did. He was trying something new, and and I think that's a good thing to do. You may not uh, hit it out of the park, but at least you're trying to to to, to stretch, yeah. and that's what he was oh, doing in that film. We got to uh, talk. We got to mention Up Two, which was Up, which came after the Seven Minutes, and was his only time he even tried hardcore and. It's a great if you like its bizarreness, but the hardcore. I love its bizarreness. I'm I'm big fan of up. I'm just saying the hardcore sex part really didn't work that good because he didn't want to work hardcore. Exactly, and you could tell. This may be the most painful death in the movie. This is the most painful death in the movie. In case you're wondering, the gu- the man and the, the person in the black gloves is H.D. Uh, Lewis's son. Because he okay. did all of the effects. Booty time, booty time. <laughs> booty time. Ow, ow. That ow. hurts. <laughs> yep. Why she bleeding for? Oh yeah, he cut her throat. Never mind. Oh god damn, that's his owl. Yeah, yeah, this one's rough. Yeah, this is the roughest film. Uh oh. Oh, did you see that can? It said blood. Yep. Now, this is where it gets silly. Yeah. See, even the music gets silly. A little bit of salt, a little bit of uh, pepper. Uh, yeah, the whole thing, to, to, the bizet just doesn't work, okay? But I find it amusing. Oh, and uh, what's funny is that you notice you never see the eyeball get crushed. Okay. That's because the damn thing was a cow eyeball, and it was so strong that even the strongest guys on the set did their goddamnedest to squish it, and it wouldn't (laughs) work. That's why they're stabbing it with a pork. Did you see he switched out the eyeballs to the one that was squished before for this one? Yep. <laughs> Ooh. This was great, funny, but it does. Hey, 
it's Bill Lyon from San Lizzy. Yeah. <laughs> he even got an Irish hanky. And this one had her ass. He's like a generic ass cop. Even in a, exactly. that character lived until the eighties. You'd always see an eighties film, the frustrated lieutenant. Yep. Uh, yeah, this movie really—I don't know why, but it just seems like after making it and cutting it, he realized he had a good film, but he thought that. He would only get sillier. And guess what we still have because of Herschel Gordon Lewis to this day? Uh, uh, Direct mail advertising? A.K.A. junk mail. So every time you get a bullshit ad or get some bullshit ad in a chat room, in an email, or even in your mailbox, Say thank you, Edsel Golden Lewis. And his book on direct marketing is still taught in uh oh, yeah. college classes Colleges. nowadays. Yeah. I'm trying to think who the cop looks like. Well, Ray Sagar's in this, but they ain't showed him yet. Hell yeah. Look at that patch. It's barely hanging on the guy's shirt. Yep. You notice there wasn't no credit for seamstress in this movie. No, not at all. So I wonder if any of our if any of our uh 
watchers of this film have figured out who the killer is yet? Well, we're hoping that they've seen it before, man. If you are listening, mm-hmm. watching this with us and you haven't seen it, what's wrong with you? <laughs> Seriously. Yep, I happen to agree with that. Yeah. Now, this one is just owl. <laughs> They're all owls, by the way. Yeah, but this one's goddamn owl. <laughs> yeah, seriously. Eerie reverber. The killer's on a fucking spree tonight. Yeah. Ooh, an iron. Aren't you happy that I dropped by and killed you? Hey, steak's done. (laughs) Boo. Yeah, I mean, he thought that the kills were just too mean in this, and it got too silly. Because he had, look at the competition he had to keep up with by the time this came out, man. Uh, Drink Your Blood, uh, Night of the Living Dead. Yeah, he he was under competition at this point. There's no doubt about that. Oh, here's the silliest gag in the whole movie. Right? Oh, God. Here. Yes. Chocolate milk. Just in case you're wondering, uh, that's like uh, cold grease with like air pushed through it. Okay. That's why the potatoes stick to her face the way they do. Not because it's burning her. See, you know. (laughs) It's okay. You'll live. Now, now, you know, some of us might consider, is this entertaining? You know, why are we watching this? Uh, and to be honest, if you have a problem with extreme gore, then you shouldn't be watching this movie. But, though, you know, this was, for me, this was a, a drive-in, and people loved it. Oh, God, yeah, the A.C. Lewis film. Well, we didn't go into last time where it started. Now let's get into it. What happened was is after uh, Boeing won, they got one of the worst laughs ever. I love this, by the way. What did you think? We're talking a little bit of overacting here. Yeah. But it was right after he shot Boeing. And they, one, got uh, bored with nudity. And two, uh, the state. But, yeah. Uh. The states were getting 
stricter with their laws for the drive-ins and stuff that were the market for the nudie films. And the grindhouse right. wouldn't touch them because they were too tame when they were doing the S&M uh, stuff. Mm-hmm. The roughies. So they looked in there of words that they haven't banned yet. And the one that jumped out to them was gore. Absolutely. And, of course, Herschel Gordon-Lewis is the godfather of gore. Yeah. He is. No question. Godfather of U.S. gore. Yeah, okay. Let's. Okay, fine. I'll, I'll go with that. Yeah. Because, because you are. We you never are got over here. We never got Gigaku or Jose Mojica Marin stuff. God, I love Coffin Joe. Friggin' yeah. love Coffin Joe. And we didn't get him till I was about 20 and you were about 30. Yep. But, yeah. Uh, Blood Feast was a money maker because people wanted to see what they couldn't see on TV. That was always a big selling point. What can you do for me that they can't do? Mm -hmm. It's all about what's forbidden. So if a movie uh, promises you something that's forbidden, you're going to go watch it. I mean, how many times have we said that about 70s movies, right? Well, 70s and 80s. But, yeah, because in the 70s and 80s, they would sell a movie as the most shocking film of the year, the film they didn't want you to see. The right, most exactly. controversial movie of the year. Mm-hmm. And as soon as we heard that, goddamn, we'd be like, oh, goddamn, they don't, uh, you know. Yeah, we got to go see it. It's yeah. all about marketing. It's always about marketing. Yeah. And that's where Lewis was the god at. He was the god of marketing. Oh, he was. There is no doubt Mars, about that. Mars heaven, where the girls are out of this world. Oh, <laughs> oh, 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 oh. I love that. Ah, oh, okay. There's the, there's the guy that's not in the movie. Uh, it's on his IMDb, and he was in sold in there, and he's really prominent in the credits. But if anyone ever asked Kenny Youngman, uh, what was the only movie that, what was his favorite, what movie was he in, he would just say Goodfellas. Mm-hmm. He never admitted in all of his years of being in this. Movie. You never did. Uh, I forget. One of the a- actors, well, and the owners of the club knew Henny Youngman. And, well, this goes back to what we we're saying. 
Henny Youngman was out of favor because the Borscht Belt and all of the places like uh, that were talked about in Dirty Dancing, the Catskills Resort, weren't around anymore. Yeah, they weren't around anymore, and that was uh, guys like uh, Henny Youngman's bread and butter. Right, and let's um, not forget, too, his type of humor, right? Very quickly, Henny Youngman joke. You know, my wife likes to buy things that are marked down. Yesterday, she bought an escalator. Okay, I love that joke, but that was yeah, a style. Uh, yeah, well, they're showing and with, right with, there. With George Carlin and Richard Pryor around, that ain't happening Yeah. Anymore. In 72, comedy changed. The guys who would be put on what what we call the blue circuit or the chitlin circuit came out and started to go mainstream. Uh, Rudy Ray Moore was selling his albums in mainstream record stores, even if they were under there. Red Fox had Sanford and Son. Uh, George Carlin had AMFM. And, of course, Richard Pryor had That Nigga's Crazy. Right. And you would have the National Lampoon Magazine, the National Lampoon Radio Show, uh, the Fire Sign Theater, the Growling. This is another case where he outlived his audience. In fact, to give you an idea of how far back he went in World War II, my father uh, uh, was forced to go to a, to a USO show with him on it in the pouring rain, and my father complained about that till the day he friggin' died. Seriously. So he goes back to World War II and pre-World War II. Yeah. Well, if you ever watched uh, Four of the Boys, that one with uh, Bette Midler, Mm -hmm. uh, James Caan plays a Henny Youngman-type comedian. Right. I'm not talking about good movies. I'm just talking about examples of his story. Right. But this isn't a bad scene. He does not do a bad job here. Oh, no, he doesn't. He really doesn't. doesn't. He's a good actor because he knew how to do Henny Youngman. Yeah, but this scene with Crash in him is a good scene. Yeah. And I can't notice uh, in every other scene, Crescent right there owns the room and is like the slickest guy in the room. And this right. one, Henny just goes, oh, oh, you know. You know, you can't out Henny Youngman. Henny Youngman. No, you can't. <laughs> money, money, money. The bodybuilder. Ah, uh, yeah. Oh, in case you're wondering, where have you seen that girl before? I'm not sure. 
She was a blonde haired and she devils on wheels. Oh yes. You're right. Little Miss Little Miss Go fumigate yourself, craphead. <laughs> but I don't blame uh, Gordon for getting out. I mean, he was making a shitload of money off his direct marketing business. Absolutely he was. As a matter of fact, when uh, uh, Mike Barney, no, not Mike Barney, the guy who owned uh, owns his films now, But um, when no, he no. showed, when him and Barney showed up uh, to try to get Lewis for a show, and he's like, "Who cares about those shit films?" Are you kidding? Seriously? Yeah. None of them realized that their films would be still be loved and traveled today. Because they made movies of the moment for the moment, and they figured once that moment was gone, fuck it. That's some watery-ass cheese dip. Yeah, that is. Motherfucker! He's good looking. There's no doubt she's good looking. Yeah. And we're we're getting we're getting toward the end of the film. Yeah, we got another what fifteen twenty minutes. Oh, look to the left. You'll see that they didn't even glue this newspaper together. No, they didn't. But this is why they got Henny, because he's a great MC. Always was a great MC. Well, I think he either worked at the club they filmed the movie in, or he knew the guys that uh, ran the club, you know. Yeah. Because if you remember, the mob from his era had a lot of the old old, uh, crew had moved down to Florida. Mm-hmm. Let's not forget Duke Mitchell either, because he was a the Florida Duke. guy. Yeah, Duke was like good friends with Frank Sinatra. We'll have to get Absolutely. into Duke someday. Oh, we got to do gone with the Pope. We have to do gone with the Pope. I'm sorry, and, we've got well, to. No, we got to do both of them, uh, Masker Mafia yeah. style. and uh, mm-hmm. Because, oh, my God. <laughs> Gigante hermanos, titas. <laughs> Hey, where's Don Pedro Coley, damn it? How can you have a zombie in a movie without Don Pedro Coley? Yeah, exactly. And there's another joke, unless you know the movie, you don't get what I'm saying. Right, Carl? (laughs) 
I love that. That one guy, she's standing there. He, she, he's like, get the fuck out of my way. Yeah. Uh, he's just enjoying his job, ain't he? Yes, he is. And it has no fucking point. Hello, booty. Been nice to see you. <laughs> Holy shit. Nipples. <laughs> yeah, and thin. Way thin. Not my style. And that that week doesn't make it, okay? Sorry. Fuck you. Those are nice tits and a nice ass. <laughs> But we ain't seen the best ones yet. No, we have not. (laughs) 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 This this, is Teddy Youngman. That is Teddy Youngman. Oh, oh, how PC that joke was. Oh, it's beautiful. Please, everyone, go (laughs) home so I can go beat my wife. (laughs) He is, uh, his timing was impeccable. His timing was impeccable. And he knew how to play the room like, uh, this is going to be the weirdest thing, but it will come back. Like Dr. Hook in the medicine show. They would do two shows a night in most places, right, Carl? Absolutely. The 7 o'clock show was their hit. And at at the 10 o'clock show or the late show, that's when they would do their risque material. Yeah, adult material. Penicillin, Penny. Penicillin, Penny. I got stoned and I'm in it. Yeah. Yeah. And of course, who they the do. fuck is Alice? But they were, uh, of course, the thing about that is that most of those songs were written by Shel Silverstein, who gave us the giving tree. Yeah, but my and point is, is that they knew, you know. Oh, yeah. Like, they knew. He knew how to play the room. He knew if he should go blue or keep it clean. Right. Like uh, the world famous, well, I think Class Callan is more famous by calling nowadays, but you really can't expound the impact of AMFM. No, you can't. You can't. You know, I mean, there was a post on uh, Facebook uh, asking for your uh, Mount Rushmore of, of uh, comedians. And, and listen, Carlin Pryor has to be there. Yeah. They just have to. I mean, yeah, but looking at Pryor's clean stuff prior to the 70s, Oh, God, I didn't mean for it to come out like that. But let me finish. Prior stuff, 
you could tell that something's going to happen, but it wasn't happened yet. I mean, you could really tell that he was holding himself back. Oh, yeah. I, I agree with that. But Carlin, he could do both. That's why AMFM. He could work clean and do blue. So with AMFM, he got rid of... Uh, the hippy dippy weatherman, but he still kept the blue jeans, the long hair. The big difference between Carlin and Lenny Bruce was this Carlin had lawyers, or as uh, he said, my, he had some friends of his father that had a hard on for uh, <laughs> a case like his, right? Yeah, but you know, uh, Bruce, who I would also put on on the uh, uh, Mount Rushmore, was the Jesus figure. He was crucified because of what yeah. he did, and without he, without him, you wouldn't. But you can you imagine have. how different it would be for Lenny if he had, uh, like Carlin said, a pit bull lawyer pack just waiting for something like this to happen? Yeah. <laughs> I love that the two of them are talking off off screen. You're not really hearing <laughs> look at look at Chris's look. Nice. Yeah. <laughs> oh, oh, mama. This works for me, okay? This one works yeah. for me. Yeah. Oh, I'm not saying it doesn't work. But you can tell that moment. When you realize that, yeah. you know, you go from being a George her, Carlin okay. uh, to uh, Sam Kennison. Uh-huh. You know, that's always been the problem, and it goes for podcasting, radio, anything. You always got to know when to get out while the getting is good. It's good. Because that's the difference between a legacy and an embarrassment. Yep. <laughs> and of course, it's not the girl. That, it's not the girl that's starring her. That's not her. No, but I do love uh, uh, Henny Youngman. What the fuck is this shit? (laughs) And this is the last movie that he could get away with, and you could get away with for a while in doing unrated gore. Isn't it ironic? Uh. In 1968, he changed what the what violence could, needed to be in Night of the Living Dead. Right. And he changed the fact and the the 
unrated gore scene in the 80s wouldn't be there if it wasn't for the sequel to Night of the Living Dead, Dawn of the Dead. Right. And then, of course, the last real unrated film out there uh, that played in the 80s was Day of the Dead. No, uh, Texas Chainsaw Massacre 2 came after that. And that should oh, really tell yeah, you right. how big Never of a mind. flop. You are right about that. No, that should really tell you how big of a flop that was. I I love that movie. Oh, I'm not talking I about quality. I'm talking about great. money. Yeah. And in the end, that's what matters. Not artistic integrity. Not how good a movie is. It's all about the money, the dollars. Yeah, absolutely. And as absolutely. Luke said, this was his first gore film where he made less than his other ones. Even Color Me Blood Red made a decent amount of change just on the fact that it was a gore film. Acid made in Poland. Yeah. That's a funny gag, but I never understood why the fuck did he put Made in Poland. I don't know. (coughs) And this is the payoff. Why that the killer... God damn, that's beautiful catch. Oh, yeah. And again, yeah, I, remember I talked about his his, his uh, cane. Yeah. He should. Every one of the mutilations in the movie is what happened to her. Right. She got uh, burnt, I think. Right. Hey, he's talking to us. How do you like that? Oh, that hurt. Of course, it was fake, but it still hurt. Yeah. All over. (laughs) I know. Who loves King? That King is awesome. And the fact that he uses it to dial the phone. Oh, yeah. (laughs) I do wish that there would be more movies with him because I really think he does a great job. Seriously. I just ruined her makeup. (laughs) Ha, 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 ha.
Yeah. <laughs> and I love this. Sure. Yeah, I love how we get, you know. You know, this is the explanation. It's always, you always have the explanation at the end. Yeah. <laughs> oh, Lizzie, Lizzie the snake, hell yeah, or the python lady. Oh, there was perfect, yeah. The same as mine. I love this <laughs> game. Teasing. None other than. I love it. Cause he does good because you have to tie all of this despair fucking. Fucking little, you know, moments together to forget out the plot. Right. Completely disfigured. And if you notice all through the movie, people, we didn't mention this, that she had fake nipples on her chest throughout the whole movie. (laughs) But we don't. We pointed out the wig thing at the first. Yeah, they tell that she's the murderer from the first scene that she's fucking in the movie. Yep. Wig and super cover makeup. I mean, why did he even have her change the wig twice in the first scene that she's in? Yeah, really. Fair and square. He had the finest form I've ever seen. Hell yeah! You got bullshit. You got to know how to bullshit. You lost face. Oh, she lost face. Between the layer of concrete and the wheel of a car. Oh, oh and here's the best gag in here. Seen enough? Ha 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 ha! How can you not love that? Seriously. Oh, it's uh, 
it's a fun, sweet little movie. But it's na- the gore is nasty as shit. Yeah, the gore is nasty as shit. And I think it's actually a little overdone. But yeah, it's but still, it is. I love yeah. But it is sad knowing that that era was gone pretty much after this picture came out because, like we said, the guys left for greener pastures. Yeah, we ran this, I think, in 74 as the second feature. What title did you have, the Gore Girl Girls or that, the one on here, which is Blood Frenzy? Uh, we, I, I'm pretty sure it was on the Blood Friends. Yeah. That's what they did because, uh, no one would, no one, that, like I said, they were afraid of, you know, no one up north not know what a gore go, go, go girls is, and da, 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 you know. So they changed the title to Blood Frenzy, mm-hmm. which is a horrible title. But nonetheless, you know, titles are titles. It's what the film is. Yeah, but that's back. Nowadays, it's about the film. You know, people just watch the film like, you know. But back then, if you didn't have something to hang a hook on. Right. You didn't, didn't make any money. Nope. But thank you, H.D. Lewis, Radley Metzger, uh, the guy who did uh, Russ Meyer, uh, your guy, Sarno. Sarno, yeah, all of them. Yeah, all All of the Florida crew. And that's pretty much what we talked about is the Florida crew. Well, Well, don't forget the thing. Don't yeah, forget oh, we can't fame. forget. You can't, cause we fight is the history of fucking Florida. Mm-hmm. And Doris Wishman too. Oh Doris yeah, Wishman Doris. Down there. Got, yeah, we mentioned Doris. Uh, uh, she did two with Chesty Morgan's uh, Deadly Weapons and Secret Agent Thirty Three D. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, not not the best films, but by God, we certainly ran them. There's no question. Yeah, and now, people, you see, well, we got to mention what's going to be on the next show, which will be a drive-in movie that should have been put at the drive-in. We opened that door with Drive Angry, and now we're going to go with Joe Bagos's modern Gore action classic BFW. It is their future. The drugs have taken over. And all the neighborhoods have gone to shit. And five friends of the BFW get caught in the shit when someone steals some drugs and runs into their bar. Who will survive the night? Joe Bagos' BFW. And what even if it has Martin Crowe, the one the only Fred the Hammer Williamson, uh George Wint, 
Wow. Yeah, and wow. David Patrick Kelly. Oh, and, that's freaking awesome. Oh, it is. I mean, it is just full of tough guy dialogue. The best way to describe it is a cross between Night of the Living Dead, the Sultan Precinct 13, and the Wild Bunch. Oh, I, I'm in for that. I got no problem with that whatsoever. Yeah. Oh, and Stephen Lang, so, too, plays like the leader of the guys. Oh, cool. Yeah. Cool. You know, you know thanks that, a lot. Go ahead. What else? I was just going to say thanks a lot for, for, for getting me on these. I really appreciate it. It brings me back, yeah. back to my groups. And the sun is coming up. It's pretty down close to dawn. Uh, they're te- the the final trailers have been played. The snack bar is closed down. It's time to leave uh, the Starlight Drive-In for now. But we'll be back next time with, like I said, the old Bagos is BFW. And always remember... The drive-in will never die because it lives along in our hearts. Absolutely. And good night, everybody. Good night. Good night, sweetheart. Where is time to go? Good night, sweetheart. Where is time to go? But I really must say Oh, good night, sweetheart Good night Hello, it is Ryan And we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BDW. Void. we prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.